Welcome to today's energy show. It's my pleasure to introduce Marvin Bamberg, the principal at MBA Architects. They're an architecture firm in San Jose. They're LEED accredited, and they do residential, commercial, and apartment buildings in the San Jose area. They've been incorporating solar in their designs for many years. And it's, it's great to have an understanding of what the issues are for architects because they're the ones that, that really help homeowners and building owners figure out what's going to go on the roof. And as you know, we're very enthusiastic about solar and other energy-improving items. And the architects call the shots. So welcome to the show, Marvin. Thank you very much, Barry. It's good to be here. All right, great, great. Well, tell us a little bit about your architecture practice in Silicon Valley. Well, we are 46 years old. We've been uh, practicing here for quite some time. Uh, Our office is in downtown Willow Glen. We're a small firm of only six people. Um, As you mentioned before, we're a general practice. We include residential, which is both single-family homes and multifamily housing, commercial work, which would be shopping centers, office buildings, and tenant improvements, and some miscellaneous government work. Okay. And and what kinds of um, solar have you been working with over the years? Well, most of our solar has been uh, uh, photovoltaic, but we also have designed and used domestic hot water systems. Okay. Do you guys do any passive solar design? That was a big thing 30, 40 years ago? It was, and I I studied that. We try to incorporate passive features into all our buildings that can be done uh, just by orientation and uh, and solar angles and uh, how, what kind of heat uh, sinks we have designed into the building, whether masonry walls, uh, concrete floor slabs, and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting because um, when I when I started my solar career back in the seventies, it was all passive solar, and, yes. and, and in college actually, the the solar department was in the architecture department. Um, and we did exactly. It was the orientation of the building. We were putting triple glazed windows in, and these things called Glauber salt heat sinks and concrete and the whole thing. Are people still doing that? Not so much uh, to that degree, but uh, basic orientation and basic use of of materials that do retain heat or cool. Uh, are very easy to come by and very easy to incorporate into all designs. Hmm. So uh, I don't think we go in for the elaborate features that we used to to use. Uh, I think the money is better spent on more dynamic solar applications today. That's really interesting how, you know, the, the photovoltaics were just completely out of the equation 30 or 40 years yeah. ago for price, and it was solar thermal. And so the way you would be able to reduce the heating and cooling loads in a building was with, with passive design techniques. But, but now that um, active solar pumping, cool, you know, cooling, it's gotten better. And then the photovoltaics have gotten so cheap, you can even start using a heat pump and, and you're using that heat pump for air conditioning and heating, and you've got free electricity, why not? So it, it, it's, as you said, it's these active features that turn out to be, in many ways, more cost-effective than some of the passive features. That's correct. Uh, in this area, uh, cooling during the hot summers is a very important feature. We don't have to worry too much about heating. Uh, and, for instance, in my home, which has a concrete slab floor and masonry walls, uh, those are good heat sinks. And... and uh, Every evening, certainly during the summer, I open all the doors and windows to allow the cool air to come in and cool down the, the uh, elements in the house. Then during the day, we close the doors and retain that cool, if you will. Uh, so we don't really have to turn on the air conditioning till about 4 in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. My wife um, calls it our, our uh, active cooling system. We do exactly the same thing. Is that the ha- we, in the morning, we close all the windows, button up the house, 
and keep it closed until we come home. Right. And then if it's still hot when we get home, we keep it closed. And it's still, you know, it might get 75, 80 degrees, but it's not 90 like outside. That's right. And then as soon as the sun goes down, open up the windows and it's just, you know, natural, natural air conditioning. And it takes good insulation in the ceilings and walls in order to make that work properly. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the solar thermal mass in the ground, if you've got thick yeah. walls and thick thick floors, that makes a lot of sense. We have a, a you know, a lightweight wood building, so it, it's not as good, but it's good enough. And we <laughs> kind of, you know, get away without air conditioning. Yes. There. So, so what are some of the buildings that you've worked on in Silicon Valley that have solar? Well, uh, probably the most uh, near and dear to my heart are my office and my home, which you helped install. Uh, the house, uh, we figured, was about 11 years ago. So mm-hmm. uh, the industry was fairly young at that point. The installation was fairly expensive, and the efficiency of the panels was not nearly as good as it is today. Nonetheless, it's been a wonderful system. We, we've really enjoyed having it. Uh, it continues to produce electricity without any maintenance whatsoever. And uh, I'm very thankful for that. But we've worked, uh, most recently we finished a, uh, uh, a renovation of a, an affordable housing project for the housing authority of the county of Santa Clara, uh, in which they installed carport solar. It was not your company, but it was a rather extensive system, which is producing a lot of, of well-appreciated power. For the Japanese American Museum in, uh, on 5th Street in Japantown in San Jose, we designed a metal, roof, uh, a metal roof on the building which was to receive a film application, uh, a photovoltaic film. That hasn't been installed due to cost limitations, but everything is set up for it to, to uh, go in and to function that way once they can afford it. And more recently, the county parks... Uh, Anderson Visitor, Lake Anderson Visitor Center, we completed, and that has both uh, domestic hot water and photovoltaic panels on the roof. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, well. thanks for the, the mention about the, the work we did. And, and in the past, my company used to do a lot of commercial work and, and at Cinnamon Solar. We just focus on residential now. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's just a, a nice market segment. We're specialized in that. Um, but, but I do remember when we put the system in at your office in like 2003, that was in the era when communities didn't like the look of solar. And so we had to escalate it all the way up to the city council to be allowed to put the solar in a way that was visible from the street. And that was a little bit tough, and, and that, which, which went actually very, very smoothly in the city of San Jose. I had the same unfortunate experience in Los Gatos, yes. and, and we, we ended up, um, let's just say it escalated quite a bit before the, the law, uh, before we managed to change the law in California for the Solar Rights Act. But, but now communities and cities are very, very favorable, and, and I just love working in San Jose because it's, it's the, the, the easiest place to get a solar permit. They do a really good job. It's not like they're skipping anything. They, they just really thought it out of a, of a good way to, to make it cost effective. And it's, it's a pleasure to do that work. I think the city is very energy conscious. Uh, they have a very uh, strong advocacy for alternative energy sources. Yeah. And, and what's also terrific about the city of San Jose and, and, and a lot of other communities and some not, but, but not only from the top that they've got that energy consciousness, we want to be the, you know, the solar friendly, but, but all the, the city employees are very favorable about it. I mean, they don't give you a hard time. And if there's issues, they help you work around it. The building inspectors are very, very good. The building department is good. My wife gets all our permits and she just loves going there. She chats with them. They give her the permit right away. And, and um, we go 
go from there. And and we also do training for the inspectors every once in a while, and that that kind of that kind of helps a lot. So so you've got some good expertise both with residential and commercial solar in Silicon Valley. What are some of the issues that come up when you're putting solar on a commercial building? Most commercial, certainly that I'm aware of, has dealt with rooftop solar. And uh, commercial roofs generally are, are flat, low-slope roofs, uh, easy to access. They have roofing materials that people can walk on without damaging them too badly. And so installing uh, on rooftops in those conditions is very favorable. The problem I see with installing any solar on any roof is maintenance. In order to re-roof your building, uh, you have to remove the panels. When we did ours, uh, you may remember uh, our building downtown Willow Glen, I designed a supporting system that rests on the concrete parapet wall, not on the roof. It actually forms an eyebrow which shields some of the second-story windows from the sun. So that was an added benefit. But when we re-roofed a few years later, we did not have to remove the solar. We did have to remove a lot of mechanical equipment, uh, but not the solar panels. Yeah, that's 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 an advantage, um, and that that's one of the reasons why commercial buildings are a little trickier, especially the tar and gravel ones, where you do have to re-roof if you have a more of a, a metal frame building that doesn't require that re-roofing. It, it's um it's a lot easier. But um, th- there's there's a lot of systems, and we we had systems like this at our old company, where it's a, a ballasted system where you're really not penetrating the roof; you just kind of plunk the panels down on top. Yeah. Um, it, those are easier to remove. But still, not you know, non-trivial to remove hundreds or even thousands of solar panels from a rooftop. And it is safer. As an architect, I always worry about my buildings leaking. Every time you pierce the roof membrane, you have a potential leak. Now, we're pretty good at sealing those today, and so you don't have a lot. But from time to time, particularly if the roof is not well-maintained, those will develop leaks. So I'd much rather not pierce that roofing membrane. Yeah, yeah, and that's why the carports are such a great yes. concept because there's nothing on the roof. And the, the downside with the carport is you, from a solar company's perspective and, and, and from a, a building owner's perspective, is you need another structure, and, and the carport itself is expensive. The good thing is once you've decided to put in shaded parking, the, the solar becomes very inexpensive as long as you remember to run conduit um, under underground, yeah. but but that's nice. And then the other big trend that's happening is um, companies are are really moving towards offering um, uh, charging stations, vehicle charging stations for their carports. And so there's nothing that's that's a better match of of um, of sunlight and economics than having shaded parking with with solar generation on top and charging up cars. And I, there's no doubt in my mind that that five or ten years from now, you know the the peak of solar generation in the middle of the day is going to be gobbled up by carports and that that energy is going to go not into air conditioning or into buildings. It's going to go into charging up our cars. And that's just perfect. And I drive an electric vehicle and I have charging stations both at home and at my office. Yeah. And and, and just out of curiosity, what, what kind of charging station do you have? Is it a charge point or is it just kind of a standard uh, off the shelf? It's a box? GE uh, uh, unit mm-hmm. uh, actually recommended by the manufacturer of the vehicle I, I purchased. Um, they're available through Home Depot, and I put them in myself. Ah, okay. What, what kind of car do you have? <laughs> I have a Coda, C-O-D-A. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, the week after I bought it, the company went out of business, <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm stuck for my own uh, warranty work and maintenance. But uh, I love the fact that it's free power that I get from the sun, 
it has about a hundred mile range. It takes me where I need to get in Silicon Valley. Uh, if I travel too far afield, I have to use a different vehicle. But most of the time, I don't need to. Yeah, that that's that's perfect. And and the great thing about electric vehicles is there's 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 no maintenance. I mean, yes. there's really there's yes. nothing to wear out. You just brakes. you have to put tires and brakes. <laughs> And and that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I think um, you know we had talked about electric vehicles, and and I bought one a few months ago too. And and I, you, you now kind of change your mindset about how you drive because you want to charge up where it's least expensive. Right. And um, you know I have one of the the hybrids where, where I've got a gas engine. So if I do have to meet with a lot of customers or go up to San Francisco or something, I've got it. But um, it's it's really terrific. And I even know a lot of people here in the radio station that have electric vehicles too. And it, it's just it's just the the way to go. Let's talk a little bit about architecture issues related to solar for homes. What are some of the considerations that somebody building or, or, or modifying a home should consider? Well, most homes uh, that you see today do not have flat roofs. They have sloping roofs, uh, which may or may not have the right angle uh, or orientation for solar uh, gain and certainly have limited area for solar panels. Roofing materials like tile are not conducive to people walking on them or to penetrations for solar mounting. So those are, those are difficult things. Um, the other thing you find in residences that you don't find in commercial work is uh, shading by uh, trees that are, are close by. Uh, we have that problem at our house. While we did have a low-slope roof, we had a wonderful oak tree that provided the house with a lot of shade. No way was I going to take that tree down. And so when you mounted the panels for us at our house, we put them on a rack in our backyard, which has good solar exposure but does not uh, deal with roof mounting on the house. Yeah, yeah. I I remember that was a a common consideration is just making sure that we're not penetrating the roof. And once you've got a roof that doesn't leak, especially a flat roof, um, you don't want to mess with it. Um, I I was at a customer yesterday um, in in the area, and they're um, putting on a big addition to their home. And he brought out a little model that his architect put together. And, you know, we're looking at where the panels are going. And and we're we're saying, all right, there's trees far to the south, so we want to move the panels as far far to the north section of the south roof as possible, so it's at least shading. And then the other consideration, and we this happens to us a lot, is just just reminding the architect and the plumber and the general contractor not to have vent pipes poking through in the, the, the sunny areas. And usually, this is kind of very frustrating because the vent pipes sometimes aren't marked. They just pop up right right below a bathroom. And so you have the whole system arranged, and then suddenly, boom, you go out there the day you're going to put the panels up, and there's vent pipes there. So. Pretty hard to control plumbers sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 they are basically, um, that, that, that phase of it is uncontrollable. I, I, I just can't do it. Um, But it helps to know where you're putting the panels in advance when you design the building and you can try to instruct the uh, contractor to not compromise that space by other things. I I mean, it happens on on the majority of new construction work that we do, that we have it all planned out and then the plans um, don't work out. (laughs) Even, I mean, it's gotten to the point right now where we have orange spray paint. And, and we want to spray paint, you know, we almost color that whole section of the roof in before the shingles go on. Like, don't mess with this part of the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, worst comes to worst, we, we just have a gap of four inches or so between panels for, for a, a plumbing vent or six inches for a, some kind of heating vent. Yeah. How can we get more architects specking solar into new buildings? Well, as I understand future building codes in, in not too distant future, 
will require uh, all new residences to be net zero energy. That means you're going to have to have some kind of uh, energy generation on site, uh, probably photovoltaic and domestic hot water. Uh, sometimes they will use uh, ground uh, heat pump systems to, to uh, provide the energy. But the integration of solar with uh, customary architectural design, I think, is a very challenging feature. Um, we've been talking about solar panels, which probably are the most efficient forms of solar generation right now, but they're not architectural elements. They're added panels rather than a roofing material that is photovoltaic. Uh, they do make shingles that uh, do that. Uh, most installations I've observed, I've never used them myself, but I've observed integrate some kind, some kind of regular shingles with the photovoltaic shingles. And as you look at the building, you can obviously see different reflectivity and different colors, and it, it doesn't look quite right. I think we need to make more progress in, in full integration. I understand for some high-rise buildings, there are films you can see through semi-transparent films you can put on the glass faces of the buildings. That I think is a real cool idea uh, because high-rise buildings generally have a small roof area for uh, solar gain whereas they have big sidewalls, uh, most of which are glass. So that would be a good way to integrate solar. But yeah. I think the integration with normal building materials uh, is a wide open field, and we need more progress there. Yeah, you, you can, it, it's a great idea to put it on a south-facing roof. It's vertical, so you get about 50% that, compared to if you tilted it optimally, you get a little bit less in the latitude. It's, it's always been a challenge for, for us as installers because um, over the past 15 years, I've seen companies come out with these products. And, and the irony is that um, in, in many cases, although the products are, are good or okay, the, the UL testing and the, the, the requirements that you have to go through, because these are typically high-voltage electrical components that, that have to be tested really thoroughly and making sure that you know, no kid pokes a, a little paper clip into the side of the glass. So they, that's one of the reasons why they really haven't gotten too much traction. The, the solar shingles... Um, I, Lots of companies have come out with them, and lots of companies have failed, mainly because you have a lot of little wiring connections. So, you know, I'm an installer, and I'm up there, and you're going to put in 300 solar shingles. I got 600 wiring connections to make, right. and I got, you know, 10 times more places where there's going to be a failure. But, but as far as the integration, what we do sometimes, um, and it works pretty well on, on, like, barrel tile roofs, where they'll have a barrel tile roof, and if there's a nice big rectangular section, we'll put a composition shingle pad on that. So just put comp there instead of tile. And then we'll recess the, the glass panels into it. And we use, we use all black panels with black back sheets and black frames. So it really looks like a skylight. It looks pretty good. And I think from a practical standpoint, from an energy performance standpoint, from a cost standpoint, from a reliability standpoint... Probably the best way to go is to use all black panels that are going to look like a, a skylight and just set them up in a nice rectangular space on the roof, and then you can recess it or get it pretty flush. And that, that's, that's kind of where the industry's at for now, and, and I, candidly, I think it's going to be for the foreseeable future. <laughs> what do your clients say? I mean, you're in the middle of uh, doing some design work for a commercial building or for a home, and you say, you know, let's put in solar. What's their response? Well, I think solar is, is pretty readily accepted by most people I know today. Many of my friends have asked me, you know, how do you, how do you like your solar system? I'm thinking of doing it myself. And 
I always advocate for it because I like it a lot. Uh, so I think people are, are very much interested in doing that. Solar does add cost to the project, and it may not pay back soon enough yet to become an economic reason for, for putting the panels in. However, many people do it as an act of social conscience, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also did it for my own education because I wanted to be able to advise my clients properly. So I think the public is, is certainly on board for this. I, I'd like to see the efficiency of the panels and the cost come down some more. The cost come down, the efficiency go up so that uh, it does become a real economic benefit. Yeah, the, it, it's gotten so much better since uh, a dozen since years long, ago yeah. or so. That there's California doesn't have any other incentives. Other states don't have them. There's still the, the tax credit. But, you know, on, on most homes, um, you're looking at a payback in the range of five to eight years, which is pretty good. And that's assuming that electricity prices don't go up. So it's, it's, it's gotten so much better. That is better because my payback when I, you did this for me 11 years ago was something like 25 years. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, thanks for uh, taking the leap of faith that it would work. And, and you know, here I we are. I didn't do it for the economics. <laughs> <laughs> but now you're happy because you pay your electric bill once a year. Just out of curiosity, so do you know what your net electric bill is? What's your true up statement? Well, uh, before I got my electric vehicle, I was generating maybe 10% more than I used. Oh, wow. And so PG&E was supposed to pay me back for that. For many years, they didn't, but now the law has changed and they have to, but they're only paying me back maybe at 25% of what they sell it for. So it's not a big source of income. But since I have the electric vehicle, I'm using a little bit more than than I produce. However, because it's at my house, I put it back into the grid during the day when the sun is out and I'm not there to use it, and it goes into the grid at a higher rate than I have to pay in the evening when I draw it out and use it. So even though I'm not producing more than I use, the uh, economic balance at the end of the year is still in my favor. It's still negative. I I still have about a $400 negative cost associated well with. you got to get you know you have to convince your wife to get an electric vehicle and, and use even more <laughs> power i i, I kind of have the same situation in my house uh, my mother-in-law lives there two years ago the bill was negative 73 dollars and i said you know mom use more electricity and so last year it was only negative 50 and so i mean it's the the utility's not going to write you a check they don't even send you a thank you note no they um, don't <laughs> but, but but um you know it's 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 nice that um you know, you're able to basically get to zero, and that, that's yeah. pretty darn good. Yeah. Well, all right, so, so we've covered a lot of ground here. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Well, we have a website. If they want to look us up, it's www.mba-architects.net. And that's a good way to start the uh, conversation. Okay. Or, or, you know, you're anybody in the Silicon Valley area, just kind of look it up on Google for MBA you can architects. Google us, and, MBA architects, uh, and uh, we're in the phone book, of course. All right. That, that's terrific. Okay. Well, that's all the time we've got on this week's Energy Show. Thanks, Marvin, for joining us. And thanks to all of our listeners. If you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. 